Welcome to the Town & Country Podcast, two churches, one ministry. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful day here in Cedar Falls. I am your host, Jonathan Illion, and welcome to this edition of the podcast. In this episode, we have returning to join us Pastor Kevin Richter, who is the pastor at St. John's Lutheran Church in Rhinebeck, Iowa, and Reverend Dr. Gerald Kapanka, who is the pastor at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Last week, we continued our series on the Minor Prophets, and so for this week, our pastors are going to be focusing on the book of Nahum. So this is a summary of how they came to agreement as to what they would preach their sermons on. What you're going to hear today is more about the process of how they constructed their outline and the basis of their sermons, which will be preached on Sunday, March 3rd. One thing that will be a little different about this podcast is the length. There was so much good material that it was impossible for me to cut it down without losing the sense of what the sermon was going to be about. So what I did was I broke the podcast into two separate episodes. So this is the second of the two parts for this podcast on the book of Nahum. So without further delay, I give you the second half of Pastor Kapanka and Pastor Richter's discussion of the book of Nahum. So, so God is good and will define good. God is good to us. And this is where we can play on the stronghold. Uh, you know, I mean, man, good grief, go to the Psalms, go to Mighty Fortress, all those ways that he is and not just good in general, like, yeah, God loves you and blesses you. Yeah. Good in the day of persecution. You know, he is our refuge that we run to. And I think we can get very specific in that of how do we actually lean into God when we're feeling oppressed? When people mm-hmm. are attacking us for our faith. Come to me all who are weary and burdened. Right. Yeah. How is he our shield that's that's protecting us and keeping them at bay and giving us? And that's where. in your sacramental theology there, too. I mean, the, the blessedness of our nature is baptized you know the the gifts of the the lord and supper yes and then i think you know um just that assurance in christ we yeah. look to the cross and we see you know this is our hope you know in yeah. romans 5 and all of those things that we bring that in and really i mean you could bring in you know harm the body um you know there you're gonna have trouble in this world take heart i have overcome the world you know in yeah. philippians 1 when you stand up to your adversaries this is to your salvation you know like these are all promises that life's not going to be easy, but it, it's going to work out okay, you know. I was thinking of an illustration. Have you ever read the book Tortured for Christ? Mm-mm. Is it Richard Wombrandt? I think that's who it is. Um, it's an older book, and I think it was from like the pre-Cold War days um, and tells the story of somebody who was, uh, and I'm boy stretching my memory, I think behind the Iron Curtain and was literally... Uh, tortured for being a a christian a believer and yet through this whole bodily torture um, prayed for his captors prayed for those who was physically uh, torturing him um, and through his witness never cursed his captors um, and several of them eventually became believers now those same people many of them faced the judgment but the idea that you know god brought judgment upon those who who brought him but in his witness of his suffering there was a witness to some who came to faith but many who didn't 
You yeah, know what I mean? That, and that's a it's a famous, uh, you know, you got to read that. You got okay. a lot of, but it's called Tortured for Christ, I think. Well, and I mean, I, you know, we can see this throughout the history of the world. The church always grows in persecution because when you see someone willing to die for your faith, you know there's something real there, you know, and you see lots of people dying for the same faith. This is not something make-believe. They really wholeheartedly yeah. believe in this. What's there? What do they have that I don't well, have? That's, is it, uh, who wrote the quote, uh, the the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the gospel? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know where that quote comes that from, is, but, but that is it Luther or someone? I mean, I'll give it to Luther because he gets great for all yeah. the quotes. <laughs> so good, good to us is this idea of the stronghold. And this idea that we're, you know, and I think we also, you know, this also, man, we could attack a lot of bad theology out there, but this speaks against the prosperity gospel. You know, a life in Christ is not, everything's going to be grand and glory and beautiful and wonderful and peaceful. Christ himself says you are going to have trouble in the world. You know, Philippians, um, we were just reading this morning again, it's what's fresh in my mind, you know, that um, the end of chapter one talks about you will suffer as I am suffering right now. Paul's in prison suffering for the gospel, and and he tells them, you're going to face this too. You know, God makes it very clear the life of a Christian is not easy, but I am your stronghold, you know. And so the old adage was, you know, we learned that the stem was prosperity gospel is life sucks, you find Jesus, and everything's great. The Lutheran mantra is life sucks, you find Jesus, life still sucks, but at least now you have Jesus on your side, you know, and so <laughs> it, it's uh, it's good theology. Yeah, just, yeah, you know, that <laughs> just doesn't ring his bell as well. He doesn't take us out of the suffering. He carries us through. through he it, is right. our stronghold, and that is how he's good. And and, exactly. and again, he's, and I think we can tie that in specifically from Nahum, yeah. that he's using that persecution to humble us and test us and grow us, you know, that he used the enemy of the Assyrians for good for Israel, you know, and, and he never promised that they weren't going to suffer because, you know, they they're still going to be the the southern kingdom will eventually be taken by Babylon, right? And they're going to experience this this exile. Um, it wasn't like they're going to become suddenly the the reign of David again. So yeah, the the good to us, the stronghold in the day of persecution. Um, what gives us that assurance? What gives us that faith? You know, how is God good in that? Love your enemy. Pray for your persecutor, the, the patients, the, the, they cannot harm you. They can harm you, but they can't kill you. You know, um, God used the Assyrians for the good of the Israelites, yeah. these kind of things. And then good to our enemies. And really here our focus is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And I think this is where we can bring in the sequel to Jonah peace. You know, that God's already tried once to bring these people to the truth. And they did for a short term. Um, God is patient, you know, that he doesn't just smite them and destroy them right away. Um, Sending his prophets to his own people is a written warning to the enemy, you know. Man, that that makes me think of um, Pearl Harbor. You know, not the, the Japanese not sending the letter of we're going to attack you and the element of surprise and how devastating that was. You know, think if, if God never sent a, a warning of any kind and just, Hey, I'm here and going to yeah. destroy you, you know, yeah. how terrible that is. But he doesn't do that. He, he gives warning after warning, oh, after yeah. warning to make sure they know this is coming. If you don't change your way and B, when it happens, this is why it's happening. You know, you have no reason to doubt it. Oh yeah. And then, so then the final one is good 
in judgment. Yeah. Um, this is judgment and wrath, or the two-sided nature of judgment, maybe we could say, is necessary. God has to deal with sin. And here we could even tie, he deals with it for us. You know, he doesn't ignore our sin. He didn't sweep our sin under the under the rug. He dealt with our sin on the cross. But for those who don't believe, he has the final say. And then you can go into that. He will pursue every one of them into the darkness. There will be a complete end. And boy, then you could tie that to second coming. How can we fathom a kingdom where there is no pain, no suffering, no death ever mm. again? Because he has made a complete end to the adversary. You know, there there's not one atom of evil that's going to be able to slip into the new heaven, new earth. That's that restoration because kind of thing in chapter he, three. Yeah, because he has made a complete end. And if he didn't, think of what the new heaven, new earth would be if he just let all these people who are opposed to him and not going to follow him and not going to believe in him. If he just let them in, all we've got is world 2.0 again. Yeah. And we don't want that. So by him being a wrathful God that's going to judge and destroy every enemy, it is still for our good too. Yeah. No, I I, I have to be careful on that because the fact that we're going to be in heaven, we're just as evil as those people are. The only difference is that we are going with faith in Christ. Right. It's not like we're going because we're better. No. And that goes back to, you know, Jesus has to deal with sin. Ours is dealt on the cross. Yeah. And it's not and us. We're not going. It's not because we've been prepared and somehow we are. We've made it because we've. Right. We've cleansed our sin. We, we haven't gone through a purgatory. It's not the rapture purged. that we're, we're right. worthy and taken. And we have to make sure we don't. But just that just this that idea medium. that we can truly trust that the new heaven and new earth is going to be this perfect place because it's be- been. Because he's destroyed every ounce of right. adversary, including our sinful nature in us. Right. And, and we've received that by faith. And those who didn't. Through the blood of the cross. Were, right. Were uh, uh, destroyed by that. Yeah. 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 I think we have to make that clear that we're not getting there because right. you know, heaven's going to be great because we're great. No. Heaven's going to be great because there will be no sin or evil. How do we know? Because his word says every adversary will be gone, which yeah. means the adversariness in us is also own, yeah. stripped yep. and removed. You know, that, our flesh is dead. Et picotter in us has been wiped away. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So, et picotter, the, the sinner, saint. Yeah. I, well, I don't know. I just heard a fancy word. I thought <laughs> yeah. I'd use it. Okay. So, to kind of run over this, so our, the 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 focus is the Lord is good. Yeah. Um. What is our function? You know, that my hearer may... Because, I mean, yes, we want them... I mean, it's kind of threefold, I guess... Yeah, we want them to trust in Christ in hard times. You know that they yep. run, run to God as their stronghold. That they pray for their enemies, and you know that they don't give up on their that they don't a don't take vengeance in their own good. hand. Yeah, but that they also they want everyone to be in God's right good salvation. You know, um, desire that all God people to be his, saved. God loves our enemies too. Yep, and that there is a judgment day that will separate the the enemy from. The, the faithful from the unfaithful. And right. recognizing that judgment day is coming. Yeah, so it's good for me because when I'm being persecuted, I can run to God and I'm yep. saved. It's good for my enemies because there's still time they can be saved too. Yep. But it's good for all of us because that day is coming, and so we need to get busy and work while, the, while we yeah. still have time. And, that, and that's your function. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. 
you want to walk me back through this one yeah. more time? Just so we, we, we keep working on the outline, then we kind of get off. On yeah. It. So our theme verse will be the seven and eight. I don't know that we necessarily need an opening illustration. I, you know, my tendency would be just to. Yeah, my, I, I've got such ingrained habits because I've been doing it so long. And I, I, if I don't start with some sort of a connector, I feel like I've, I've just like, I need an appetizer <laughs> before I get to my meat. Yeah. Um, and now you're much more comfortable just starting right with the meat. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I, that comes from Dr. Schmidt at the SEM that said, you don't need a hook. The sermon starting, they've already turned their attention yeah. to you. They're hooked. Start giving yeah. them what they're there for, you know? And yeah. so, um, I, you know, I, and and I'm I'm fine if we do this. Do we need some historical background to, to kind of set yes, the stage for we, who Nahum is? And, of course, we always came from. do, and that's why my sermons are 18 pages long because I want to tell the whole old story of how we got yeah. there. But um, so before we get to the God is good, we probably need to tell okay, where's where's Nahum right. fit in the historical correct historical timeline, and I think also I think we can just plan the fact that. Because I'm going to read all three chapters to him. That's what I'm doing with these. I'm reading all of you know the the minor prophet, no matter how long it is. And uh, I'm not okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm no, not. that's fine. Um, that the it, it, sitting there listening to it, you didn't hear much gospel. You know, like yeah. reading the minor prophets is doom and gloom. It's destruction. It's violence. What do we do with this today? We're going to talk about how God is good in this. You know, I like that. You know, write that down for me. Okay, so um, <laughs> that's good. It's kind of like you know when that's that's the hook right there. Yeah, that's all you need. You know, you, you, it's doom and gloom. Yes. What do you do with this? I mean, it's kind of like when you're reading like some of the terrible parts of the gospel message of all law, all condemning, and then you end with this is the gospel of I the know. Lord, <laughs> and it's like, is it really? Was this good news? You know, well, yes, it's always good news. You know, God's word is every word, and God's word points us to Christ. You know, right. and so where is God's goodness in yeah. this? And and I think it's important for us to be able to to convey to our, our members that even when it seems like it's doom and gloom, God is still speaking to us, his love yes. and his grace. And I think and, you, and know, you, you I think you tag that well. Yeah, and in the t- historical timeline, we can talk about Assyrian versus Nineveh being, you know, the capital of the yeah. Assyrian nation and where we're at in that so that they kind of understand as we talk about the Assyrian, the Nineveh, you know, the destruction coming that they, I mean, A, most of them are probably familiar with Jonah, so they know this, but then B, that, you know, they have that kind of sitting in their head. So historical timeline, kind of where we're at. Um, reading Minor Prophets is just depressing. It's doom and gloom. And you might ask yourself, how can we see God is good in this? You know, but yeah. then our tagline, God is good. And yeah. then good to us. He yep. is our stronghold. In the day of persecution, we run to him. Um, he's present with us in the sacraments, you know, it, the world cannot harm us. Romans eight, nothing can separate yeah. us. You know all these things, that, and that the church grows in persecution. God uses our enemies for His good. All things work together for His good. Yeah. You know Romans eight, and so you get some of this. Um, you know, then you can. I think that's a place where we could tie in specifically. Nahum. If you're looking for a, an illustration under that, I mean, if we want to, I, I use illustrations. You know, just think of the history of the the uh, church under communist persecution when. Uh, the uh, Bolshevik Revolution, 1917, there was about 20 million Christians in Russia. When the Berlin Wall came down and the end of communism, there was about 100 million Christians. Now, that all happened under the persecution when Christianity was against the law. 
the church grows under persecution. Yep. And we've seen that time yeah. and time again. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's just amazing. Uh, yeah. You know, they're killing you for being a Christian and the church is exploding. Yeah. Now, the opposite of that is we are the freest nation in the world in Christianity. What's happening to our churches? And look in Europe and you look in the United States, we look where it's free and our churches are dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We were talking about that this morning that um, when you get cozy, faith gets weak. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that speaks, I think that fits right there. I always think of, and uh, I thought of it a long time ago, and it always pops up in my head. You know, I think one of the things Satan gets so frustrated with is that basically the church is a whack-a-mole. When he thinks he's whacked one yeah. down, two more pop up somewhere else. You know, that yeah. persecution grows as he's trying to kill us. And yeah. that's that quote Luther makes, you know, it says that God plays the devil as the fool, you know. And, yeah. and I think this one, I might stick more to just to try to bring in more text. You know, God is specifically using the Assyrians for right. the good of the Israelites, you know, yeah. that the remnant that's going to come back and be the faithful church is coming out of this destruction of the Northern kingdom by the Assyrians, you know, type of thing. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, that, that church always grows in persecution that, and so then, you know, step two is God is good to our enemies, yep. slow to anger, abounding steadfast love. This is the sequel of Jonah. He's already called them to repentance. Um, he's patient. He sends his prophets to his own people, but it is a written, spoken warning to his enemies, too. Yeah. He gives time. He gives warning. They know what's coming. They know why they're in the wrong. He is trying again and again to bring them into his fold, you know, sheep into his fold. But then three, you know, g- good in his judgment, that whatever God does is good. And this two-sided nature of judgment is necessary. God has to deal with sin. He dealt with ours on the cross. We see that in Christ. So it's not that you and I escaped our sin. It was just nailed to Christ on the cross and his blood cleanses us but for those who don't believe that that don't have the forgiveness through faith they still have to be dealt with their sin and so judgment is real for them Uh, there is no universalism god's not going to save everybody and this is good because it is a complete end of all destruction so that we have the assurance hope that the new heaven new earth has no pain no suffering no death no sin no tears because God is going to wipe away all enemies with this world. And there we don't have to tie it to people. It's not about us versus them. It's just simply all enemies die when this world is, ends. Is this the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15? Correct. You know, the, 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 this is the crushing of the head of the serpent. Yes, a, a complete end. A, a, every darkness will be removed. It will be light. You know, I mean, think of Revelation. There will be yeah. no sun or moon. Right. Because there isn't day and night. There is no darkness at right. all. You know, I mean, all these things you can tie into yeah. this passage of the end of evil, the end of bad is gone. And all we're left with, I mean, really, it's the fulfillment of the garden. Yeah. What was the original temptation? You will know good and evil. They already knew good. All they gained was evil. Now God is taking evil Boy. back out of the equation. And what are we going to be left with? Only good as it originally was, you know. Yeah. And so it is the restoration, the fulfillment of this. Right. And that, in order for that to have to happen, his judgment has to persecute and chase down and make a complete end of all yeah, adversaries. And, complete. and that is good for God to do, you know. Which is the restoration passages from there. Correct. Yeah. Yes. And and this is good. This is, you know, good for God to do that. So that what's left, only goodness, only yeah. his divine, you know, mercy and goodness and love. Thank you for choosing to join us for the Town and Country podcast, Two Churches, One Ministry. 
We invite you to come back next week when our next episode in this series on the Minor Prophets will be on the book of Zephaniah. Once again, thanks to our audio engineer, Mr. Dave Kaler, for setting up this podcast. You are awesome, sir, and we don't know what we would do without you. Thank you so much for your help. On behalf of Pastor Kevin and Pastor Kapanka, I am your host, Jonathan Illion, and we invite you to come back again next week as we bring you the next installment of the Town and Country Podcast. Thanks again and have a great week.